0: Happy New Year! Let's start there. Let's get back on track. This is the first Sunday in the new year. I missed y'all last week. Kind of. Maybe not really. (laughs) I did. I missed you guys. And I want to hit the ground running. I want to dive into, at least this first Sunday of 2022, something that maybe we're all doing in our personal lives, which is, I want to reflect. In particular, I want to reflect on maybe something that E3 needs to do if we're going to achieve our mission over the coming year of making disciples of Jesus Christ. In particular, I think I want to reflect on what must happen before someone can engage and experience growth through E3's discipleship process, which we always say is participating in worship groups and service. And that first thing, first things first, is invitation. You see... To be an invitational community is, in my mind, what it means to be the church. I fundamentally believe that the church is the only community on earth that exists for the person who hasn't come to it yet, which is very different than what a lot of churches seem to act like in the world. But if we get this wrong, if we don't remember that our church exists fundamentally to reach people who haven't heard about Jesus, haven't heard the story of death and resurrection yet, then honestly, y'all, we just become a country club, do we not? So, invitation, this foundation of the church's mission. This is where I want to think, or this is what I want to think about today. This is what I want us to sit with and reflect as we begin this new year. We have to remember that people can't participate in things if they've never been invited into them, But even more than that, as a church in Tallahassee, what we really need to remember is that in a tangible way, E3's ability to fulfill its mission of making disciples will go as our invitation goes. If we do not invite people into discipleship in this community, then they will not become disciples through this community. If we do not invite people into worship groups and service, then guess what? They will not engage in E3's practices of worship, groups, and service. Are you guys following me on this one? Invitation is literally the only healthy way that a church community can grow in a sustainable way, in a biblical way. Now, I want to name the elephant in the room. And that is, if you hear the word invitation and you jump to the phrase evangelism and you immediately have a guttural reaction of cringing, you are not alone. Believe it or not, as someone who grew up as an atheist for most of his young adult life here in the deep south, I have become well acquainted over my many years, 31, with cringeworthy stories of Christian invitation gone awry. It's like you're walking around with a target on your back if you grew up in Tallahassee and went to college in Gainesville. Go Gators. Anyway, move off. I I wasn't going to say that. All I'm trying to say is I know the stories. For example, one that has always... Stuck with me that I will always remember from my time in college, University of Florida Go Gators. As many of you know, it goes like this. As many of you know, I love the sport of basketball. It's kind of the thing that I do if I really want to unwind, if I want to get my head right. And when I lived in Gainesville, there was this outdoor court down the street from my house that I would go to. It was kind of like my quiet place, right? No one was ever there. I knew I could go if I wanted to be alone, shoot around, not be bothered, not get dragged into a pickup game, think listen to music, put my headphones in and watch the world kind of fade away. So I'm having this terrible week and I go there to shoot around and soak my thoughts and find solitude, peace and quiet, amen. And it's going really well. That is, until two upstanding young gentlemen in suits ride up on bicycles (laughs) and plop down right at midcourt and just start staring at me. And at first, you know, I'm trying to be nice because believe it or not, college Mike was not often very non confrontational. I'm trying to be nice. So I'm just going to ignore them. Well, as I'm shooting my free throws, they start this kind of thing creeping into my peripheral vision. Every minute, you'd see them kind of shuffle a little closer and a little closer until finally I can't take it anymore and I take my headphones out and I say, can I help you? First of all, no, I could not, as it turns out. But they did believe they could help me because for the next hour of my life, I was talked at about my potential Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Question, who here thinks that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior that day? Wrong. (laughs) Who here thinks I left annoyed at the whole concept of Jesus Christ being my potential Lord and Savior? That's right. That's right. It was awkward. But more importantly, what I'm trying to get you guys to realize is it was ineffective. It did not entice me. It did not draw me in to this Jesus movement, the story, any of it. It was just kind of annoying. And though cringeworthy, it was actually, in the details, a harmless experience, right? I went on the rest of my day and was just kind of like had a fun story to tell at parties when I didn't go to church on Sunday. However, just because it was harmless doesn't mean we can't learn from it. And I actually don't want to talk about that so much as much as I want to talk about what was actually my worst evangelism experience. You see, my worst evangelism experience was not two awkward dudes at a basketball court. It was the time that I actually accepted an invitation to come to church and experience the old bait and switch who here knows what the bait and switch is anybody over here a bait and switch is a sales tactic where a customer is attracted to a business by the advertisement of a great deal only to discover upon arrival that the product isn't as advertised or the deal isn't what they said it was you can think of it like this who here loves the evil corporation that is comcast In times, I swear, that organization. Anyway, Comcast is like, hey, you can get this great internet with all these channels for just 50 bucks a month. What happens when you call them to get that deal? Well, there's this fee, and then there's this fee, oh, and actually this, and also maybe we can add to it a phone, and before you know it, you're paying 190 bucks a month for 50 channels and the slowest internet on earth. Am I the only one? That is a bait and switch, Right? They offer the deal, dangle it in front of you, and you actually come to get it, they try to lure you into something else. It's an act of deception, false advertisement, overpromising, under-delivering. And honestly, this is the perfect description of this church that I went to when I was a teen. The church advertised itself as cool, open-minded, hip, loving. So I got involved. I was baited to come on in. Only to discover once I actually got there, and actually got plugged in that behind the scenes, the sales pitch was a lie. See, in reality, when you got to know this community, it was really just as, if not more, judgmental, mean-spirited, hierarchical, and morally corrupt as any other organization in the world. Forget people interrupting my shoot-around. That was the experience of invitation that made me leave the church for over a decade, y'all. All All in all, the worst invitation that we can do as Christians is not clumsy, well-intentioned, awkward evangelism. It is inviting people into communities that haven't done the work of transformation in an honest way. It is inviting people into churches that talk about a story of grace but are fermenting shame just beneath the surface. Churches that preach God's love, but when you actually show up, you find out that it's fostering congregations and theologies that seem to focus more on the people that God's excluded from that love. Churches that say a lot, but do tangibly very little for our world. Has anyone seen churches like that in the world? And I'm not trying to judge these churches. I don't think this is a moment in which we are trying to be mean to them, we're trying to tear them down. The point is that it's a cautionary tale that it is so easy for us as Christians to slip into this divide between our invitation and what we are actually inviting people into. This is what I want to think about today because these are the experiences that actually make people walk away from Jesus far more than a Mormon kid on a basketball court. That's because, I believe, for a church to do invitation right, it must consider both how it invites and what it invites people into. And that's where we're going to go today. I want to start out this year by thinking about, as a community, what it means for E3 to be an invitational community that brings people into the story of Jesus, that makes disciples in a healthy, biblical, and effective way, that doesn't devolve unintentionally into the old bait and switch. Do you want to do that this year? Amen? Amen. Then let's do so. To explore this, we're going to dive into two images of invitation from Scripture. The first is one of the most famous passages of the entire New Testament. I'm sure you've heard it before. It is called the Great Commission, and it's found at the end of the Gospel stories. We're going to look at the version that closes the Gospel of Matthew. So let's set the scene. Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected on Easter, exalted as the king of the world, and he comes back to his disciples to give them one final commandment as he departs from them. We pick up in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So, Having been exalted to king of the world, Jesus gives his disciples a mission, right? Share the news that God's kingdom is here, that God is victorious over evil. Go into the world and do what? Share this story, and in doing so, make more disciples, right? Multiply, specifically through three key activities that he mentions. One, go actively engage the world. The church should not be a withdrawn or isolated community. It is a community that's supposed to exist in the world while not being of the world. Two, baptize. Initiate others into the community the story of risen Jesus. And then three, teach them as they come through your doors what it means to follow Jesus' commandments, which he summarized in which way? He remembers. What is the heart of the law according to Jesus? Love God. Love neighbor. Go Baptize, teach them to love God, love neighbor with their everything. And this is the invitation that most of us know, right? It's outward, it's active, it's missionary. Go, go, go. It gets our blood pumping, right? And it's super important, don't get me wrong. However, it might surprise you to hear that this isn't the only image of invitation in Scripture. In fact, this isn't even the oldest, most common, or historically, most central one that you'll find in Scripture. You see, if you go back, especially through your Old Testament, and you start flipping through the Scriptures, you're going to find this metaphor that's very different than this go, go, go. And it is the most common metaphor describing the role of God's people when it comes to bringing others to God, into his story, what we would call evangelism. And it's the metaphor of light. I'm going to show you two examples of Scripture from the prophet Isaiah, that kind of encapsulate what I'm talking about. The first is from Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3. Many people will come and say, "'Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples.'" They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the what? The light of the Lord. I want, to see how you, I want you guys to notice how this word is now used in the second passage of Isaiah, from chapter 40, verse 6, where we read, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand, and I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people. And a What? a light for the Gentiles, which means the non-Jewish people when it comes to the Old Testament text, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. In both of these, we see the metaphor of light. And I want you to notice that in these texts, light is used both to describe God, his character, and how his people impact the world when they live according to his ways. Their way of life, in Isaiah's vision of this, this moment when God's revelation really brings in all the people of our world, their way of life becomes inherently an act of invitation. It's a powerful passage. As people see the light of God's character reflected in how his people live, this way of life defined by peacemaking, love, grace, mercy, compassion, healing, hammering swords into plowshares. When they see this way of light, what do they say? They say, I want that. But more importantly, they say, I want to know the God at their center. What is the central movement of Isaiah 42? Did you guys catch it? What happens when the world, watching from outside the people of God, sees the way that God's people live? they flood in. Who here woke up today thinking of evangelism or invitation as an act of magnetism? This is not about going. This is an image of invitation that's defined by people being drawn to God through an otherworldly, enticing way of life embodied in his people, living in the sight of the world and just drawing in the world because how they live is so beautiful. here's what's fascinating about these two images, this going and what I always say, the being image of invitation. Jesus actually gives us the second image before ever giving us the great commission. In Matthew 5, Jesus begins what is called in tradition condition, the Sermon on the Mount, which is his long teaching, about life in the kingdom of God. Essentially, where he lays out this profound, all-encompassing vision of what it means to live as his disciples in this world. And it's where you're gonna hear all of his famous hits, Love Your Enemies, you know, Go Into the Closet and Pray, Generosity, Non-Judgment, Self-Sacrifice, Integrity, Non-Retaliation, Eye for an Eye, tooth for a Tooth, Turn the Other Cheek, right? Peacekeeping, Blessed Are the Peacemakers. This is all in that sermon. Like I said, it's all-encompassing sermon. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in this world? How do you live? And isn't it interesting that in this long sermon, when Jesus chooses to depict for us the impact that he expects us as his disciples to have on the watching world, isn't it interesting that he turns to one metaphor? Who wants to guess which one? Matthew 5, 14. You are the what? The light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives what? Light, to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your what? Your light shine before others, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. Amen, right? (laughs) Light turned on. I'm just... <laughs> but I want to sit with this metaphor, this idea of light. Because actually, metaphorically, light is a very different image for us than it was for Jesus' audience. This is actually kind of one of those big aha moments that came to me when I was studying Scripture in seminary. It's one of those ways that we just misunderstand, often, the depth of what Jesus is saying because we live in the modern world. In the modern world, we have this thing called electricity, right? So when we want light, we... Flip a switch and let there be light, correct? Was that true for an ancient person living in 32 AD? No, it was not. You see, for his audience, as he gives this message, light was a much more meaningful, a much deeper metaphor for him to use to describe what he wants them to be in the world. Light took time and intentionality. It meant fire, materials, effort, skill to both start and maintain it. Light was a symbol of survival, And security, because light meant fire, and a fire in the freezing desert meant you might not die. Light in the wilderness, when you're surrounded by beasts and it gets dark, meant what? It meant safety. But more than anything, light for an ancient person in Jesus' audience meant direction. They didn't have smartphones, so even navigating one's home at night meant the light of a lamp because y'all who has gone up in the middle of the night and stepped on a lego before it stinks <laughs> it's horrible so we get our light right navigating our room we need light in the middle of the night to do that but even more than that think about this think about traveling they didn't have gps they didn't have street lights they didn't have detailed interstate maps they often didn't even have a horse traveling meant walking And it meant doing so for often many days without ever coming to a city. So, imagine you are transversing the Israelite wilderness. It is freezing. It gets dark. You get lost. What do you do? You looked for light. You looked up. You followed the stars, right? Right? But even more than that, what Jesus references here, this is a time without light pollution. You looked for a city lit up in the distance. See, in the ancient world, when there was a lit up pocket of civilization, you could see it for miles away, glowing. And you would know as a lost and wary traveler that that was the way to go if you wanted to find safety, if you wanted to find rest, if you wanted to find the way home. Light pointed you the way home. And maybe you didn't wake up this morning thinking of yourself or this community as a lit up city on a hill and a freezing barren desert for those lost and weary in the wilderness. But y'all, this is what Jesus, our King, calls us to be regardless of what you woke up feeling. He calls us to be a people that shine with the light of his kingdom and how we live. Who radiate divine warmth and safety for those caught in the freezing cold of this world. For those who just need to find the way home, he calls you to be a light in the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, but what he's trying to get at in these teachings as he references Isaiah is that we are called to be the conduits that he shines through. That's what it means to be an invitational community both going and being, saying and doing. That's what it means to be the church. And I know that being a light to the world probably sounds like a lot for some of you. Like that's probably just for the super spiritual people. But let me just bring it down to earth because this is actually very simple. And I think it's very poignant when we realize that this doesn't take some mystical cloud experience to become this in the world. You actually might be doing this right now. I have shared many times that I returned to church after hitting bottom. That's public news. But what I haven't talked about before is that a big part of this return was actually joining a small group through E3 before I ever attended an E3 service. This small community that a pastor that I had met invited me to be a part of. And there's experience with this group that is always stuck in the back of my mind. You see, I had only been attending this group for a very short time, and honestly, I wasn't too sure about the whole Jesus thing anyway. But they invited me to come to a Christmas party nonetheless, even though I was kind of on the fence about the whole thing. And it was a very different party than I had been accustomed to in my previous life. We'll just say it that way. It's a nicer way to put it. They had a popcorn machine, there was a movie on a projector on their lawn. Uh, They had, like, all sorts of candies and hot cocos and blah, blah, blah. It all sounded kind of weird and a little lame to me. I'm going to be honest. But I went. And here's the powerful part. I remember sitting there amongst these very alien people who lived in a very different way than anyone I'd ever been around. And I just remember experiencing something new. There were children running back and forth all around me, laughing and playing. Believe it or not, when you are a drug addict and the parties you go to are not like this, the sound of a child's laughter becomes a very alien thing in your life. But I remember sitting there, just soaking that in. I remember people having real conversations and sharing full belly laughter without it coming at the expense of someone else in the group, which was very strange and very different than the friends I grew up with. Above all, I remember a genuine, genuine, genuine care about me. What do you do, Mike? Where have you been? What's your story? And I felt that they cared regardless of whether I ever showed up to their stupid church. They cared regardless of if I ever, quote unquote, got my soul saved. If I ever came back to their small group. They cared just because I was a human being sitting in front of them. And y'all, I sat there feeling joy, peace, communion, contentment, love just radiate from these alien people. And I didn't know much. I knew nothing about Jesus of Nazareth. But I'll tell you what I didn't know. I knew I wanted to find whatever they had found. I knew I wanted to know the God that made them act this way in a world that's so dark and so cold. That's what it means to be a light to the world. That's what Jesus says. We get to be to people. Is that going to get anyone else out of bed in the morning this week? have an opportunity to be that to a broken lost hurting weary travel sick person if you just choose to live as jesus calls you to so e3 who wants to be light this new year anybody it's not a rhetorical question who wants to be light this year <laughs> pulling teeth guys who wants to be a place for beating down people who are lost and weary and just want to find the way home. Anybody? Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, then let's get real to start 2022. Actually, first, let me say this. I need you to hear this first. Everything I'm about to say, one, it's going to be a little intense because I'm Pastor Mike. But two, two, I need you to hear that everything I'm about to say is in response to God's love already being spoken over you. Nothing I'm about to say is about you earning the love of God. I'm not sure who needs to hear that at the start of this year, but there is nothing you can do to add or subtract, be more or less worthy or loved by this God of this story. That is freely given. That is not earned. It is poured onto you right where you are at. But, but, we as God's people are called to live in response to that love. And in that vein, what do we need to do to live into the calling of being an invitational community in this coming year? And I want to explore the answer to that by reflecting on these two images. I think first, we need to sit with the Great Commission. Every single person in this room, in this church, online, at home, right here in a seat, has been commissioned by their king to go and make disciples. Have only the pastoral staff been commissioned? Has only the key volunteers been commissioned. Have only the super spiritual people been commissioned? No, every single person. If you consider yourself a follower of Christ, you have been given a command by your God, go and make disciples. Now, for some of that, it means very different things. Not many of you are probably being called to Uganda, but you are being called to find someone to help them know Jesus right here, right where you are at. The church is a community defined by a universal commissioning, participation, and responsibility. And y'all, E3 cannot achieve its mission this year if a few people do all the work, because that is not the kind of community that Christ called us to be. That is not a light to the world. So, let me just ask everybody, how are you fulfilling Jesus' commission, go, baptize, teach? Are you engaged in community, both here at this church and in the Tallahassee area? Are you actively meeting new people, volunteering to serve the poor, carrying on your affairs in a way that mirrors God's character before the world? Are you growing in following Jesus' teachings? Have you taken an inventory to start your year about whether you're more healed today than you were a year ago? About maybe whether you're less resentful, prideful, or judgmental than you were a year ago? About maybe you're a better lover of God and neighbor than you were a year ago? Are you growing? Because the answer is no. And the answer is I am not engaged in discipleship, worship groups, and service, and I am not growing. Y'all, I want to help you. In this year, it is my job to walk alongside you and help you find those things. But I need you to say yes to that invitation. So I challenge you, if you can't say that you're doing those things, reach out, mike at element3.org. Let's get you plugged in. Are you inviting others into the experiences that have helped you? And this is a critical question for us this year. And I'm not talking about being a weirdo. Obviously, I do not want anyone here to go to a basketball court and just like lurk around. That's weird. I am talking about reaching out to that person who you know needs help in your relational world. You know someone who is lonely, who could use some light. Have you invited that person to ether? Have you invited that person to grab coffee? Have you invited that person to your growth group? If the answer is no, why not? What would it cost you to invite them to come in? Not to win their soul or whatever, but just because it's a human being and the love of God is radiating out of you. There's someone who could use the light of your experience, strength, and hope this year. And it's your invitation. That's what I want to challenge you to extend. Invite them to find the way home, share your story. Just see what happens. Second image, a light to the nations. And this requires reflecting on what we're inviting people into. And I'm going to ask some hard questions. This is the hard part, the intense part. And I want all of us to weigh both ourselves and our community to reflect on what each of us needs to commit to in order to help E3 be a light to an even greater degree over 2022. So, light to the nations. When people accept the invitation to E3, what do they find? Do they find a community of judgmentalism or grace? Are people treated differently than others because it's their first time or they've been coming for a while? Does everyone look the same in this community? Or does E3 reflect a place where the least are exalted? Does it reflect the diverse, just, and equal kingdom of God that we're called to mirror in this world? Is brokenness responded to with shame or empathy? Is our talk about each other when we get into conflicts over how to do ministry defined by encouragement or slander, celebration or gossip? How do you talk about me, Pastor Scott, Pastor Lori, any staff member, any key volunteer? your growth group member when they are not in the room because that impacts what people find when they walk into this place. Do visitors find tribalism or hospitality, exclusion or inclusion? When a guest walks in, do they receive a warm welcome, multiple E3ers initiating them in conversation? Or do they find closed groups of established friends sticking to themselves, cliques who use Sunday to catch up with folks that they already know while neglecting the newcomer? Do E3ers bother to remember a visitor's name and face if they come back the second Sunday? Do they feel like they're coming home when they walk through our doors? Do visitors find generosity or self centeredness? Is this a community that's more obsessed with pinching pities than taking care of the poor locally and globally? When they come in, do they meet people who, without a care in this world, give up their time, their talents, their treasures? to building something bigger than them? And finally, do visitors see a community of shared burdens and self-sacrifice? A place where everyone puts in their contribution of time and talent to create a whole greater than the sum of its parts? Or y'all, do they walk in this church and just see what they always see in human organizations, a few people burning themselves out doing all the work? Does everyone do their part? I don't know how y'all answered those questions. But let me tell you this, I'd love to hear your answers. So this week, if you want to tell me how you've been challenged by any of those questions and maybe what you want to do about it, email me at mike at element3.org because we need everyone to put what they, their gifts, their time, their talents, their treasures into the center. Listening over coffee, teaching, singing, swinging hammers, pressing buttons on a soundboard. We all need to do this together. Amen? So anyway, I don't know what you guys answered those questions with, but I do know that I don't want to be a part of a bait-and-switch church. So this year, who will join me in making sure that E3 is actually an irresistible community of radically transformed disciples dwelling at the intersection of deep faith, authentic community, and emerging culture? Who's with me? It's going to take work, but our God is faithful, And this mission is worth it. So, what are you holding on to that needs to be put into play for God's kingdom this year? How can you make E3 a light that shines to the lost, the hurting, the weak, the weary, and the broken in Tallahassee? Those questions challenge me. They also get me out of bed in the morning because we get to be that if we would just say yes. Yes to the invitation. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for being a God who does not do the work on your own. That you are a God who invites and works through broken and messy people to accomplish your mission of healing and redeeming and restoring this world. I thank you, God, for being a God who wants to make us conduits of your light And I just pray that we would allow ourselves to be used for your glory and your kingdom and your love. Lord, make us a light shining into an often dark world this year. Remind us that our lives can be an invitation of healing that points the way home to someone who needs it. And that is good news. Amen. 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 Let's worship.